Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Good back, everybody. Bob Stoffer. Brennan S. Scott with you at Oilers Now. Roos Chris Steakhouse. The greatest steak you've ever had. It's Edmonton owned and operated. And it's open from Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. Our next guest can neither confirm, I don't know, can he confirm or deny the fact that he had a prominent Alberta political party reach out to him back in 2011 to run? Is that true, Mark Spector? Oh, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> oh, man. That's the fact. 2011, I was uh, covering the, the uh, Canucks and the Bruins, as I recall. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that election well. Uh, that was that. that, that that was the uh, that was the year in the province where we had the ultimate uh, divide between rural and the uh, cities. Uh, the Wild Rose, by the way, did not get a single seat in Edmonton, and I think they had two in Calgary that year. So, anyhow, I digress. Let's bring aboard Mark Spector, Sportsnet's back for Horse Racing Alberta, who present live racing every Friday and Sunday evening at Century Mile Race Track. Spectators, limited at this time, but you can always go online and watch and wager at hbibet.com. Mark, Mark, you've uh, penned a piece on sportsnet.ca. The bubble, the Edmonton bubble, the little city that punched above its weight class. Ultimately, <laughs> did did it work? Oh, for sure it worked, Bob. The, you know, to, to decide if anything worked, you got to look back at what your goals were when you started. And their goals were to award a Stanley Cup. You can check that box off. Their goals were to get through this thing without a bunch of COVID outbreaks. You can certainly check that box off. They, they didn't have one. Didn't have one in two months of two different bubbles. So, I, I honestly, I can't, I can't think how it could have gone more smoothly or better. Considering, you know, the task that's never been even attempted before. It's not like anyone had. This isn't like an outdoor game, Bob, where the leagues figured it out and they could basically make, make ice in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas now. Uh, this was a whole new deal that no one ever did before. And uh, oh yeah, no, this would have been a wild success for the NHL for sure. 
Well, the only thing that didn't happen is that the mountains didn't get any closer to uh, Edmonton. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, and, and, you know. Uh, well, I think I, what we also, what we did see in that vein, the pre-sell was a little better than than would ended up happening. You know, remember, all the families were coming in. Yep. They were going to go to the mountains. Uh, everyone was going to go golfing all the time. And, you know, even some of the players said that, that what they were sold and what, eventually happened were two different things and uh you know what that's not the first time that ever happened in, in, well there's an old saying uh you, you know I, I can tell you when it comes to getting clients to commit long term to you on a show uh under promise and attempt to over deliver uh that said in in fairness to the groups that put this together from a league perspective mark they're at the mer- and this will be a point that we'll discuss carrying forward here as to what's going to happen they're at the mercy of how this pandemic is going and I got to tell you, back in, say, May, when there started to be whispers of Edmonton and getting into June and July and maybe, uh, you know, early early July, we started to realize Edmonton was going to be a reality. Even then, I don't think people thought, like, we, you know, the border is still closed. Like, maybe they thought there was going to be a possibility, Mark, back in June and July that things would have gotten better in the U.S. by the time we roared into uh, September. And that's a major part of the equation here is that border is not open, and that's part of the challenge for the families. So and not yeah. all of that not all of that is on the NHL. Um, and and I, there's lots of stuff I don't like about the NHL. I, you, I've expressed my frustration that uh, sometimes I think officials have challenges uh, officiating games with players with elite speed and skill. But I think on that one, I'm going to give them a, a bit of a pass because, and, and this is why, Mark, moving forward here, you and me, do we have a hot clue as to when they're going to play again in 2021? Do we actually know? No, if Gary Bettman doesn't know, then there's no question that we don't know. And I mean, I, I think that's the biggest issue, Bob. Like everything in our lives here in 2020, uh, we're not in control. You know, the league's not in control of when it could start. They can't just say, okay, let's get in 82, let's start. There's a, everybody else, the government, the health authorities, you know, the people making decisions on, on trying to stop the spread of this COVID. Those are all, all of those people, their actions will impact what's left for the NHL, you know, the landscape for them to try to get their season in. So we know they're going to have a draft here, a virtual draft. We know there's going to be free agency, and then we know there's going to be a period of a good month and a half where nothing happens. Uh, and it's during that month and a half that the league will really get down to short strokes on, you know, what what's the environment? Who wins the election? How, you know, can we fly people into Texas and Florida and California, or won't they let us? Who's letting us have fans in the stands and who isn't? All of those questions are completely out of the control right now of the National Hockey League. Mark, uh, this morning, uh, you know, I, I listened to a couple different stations in town. Over 400 positive cases in Alberta yesterday. Well, that was from the weekend over three days. And they neglected to mention that there was 50,000 tests done during those three days. And we know the, like, this This is a thing, right? Like, we have listeners to the show from the entire spectrum. Like, that's the reality with the Oilers. The Oilers are everybody's team that wants to be a fan of the Oilers. And you can be as far left and as far right as you want. And most of us have come to the realization people need to wear a mask. That helps the situation. But 
even even the day-to-day reporting, like, oh, it's look, there's 400. This is terrible. There's 400 positive tests. You did 50,000 tests in a three-day window. You know, like going back four months, maybe in a three-day window, you were, you know, maybe the province was only doing 7,500 tests. And so when you're doing one six or six times the amount of tests, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that we're getting, you know, six times the amount of positive cases. I think most people under the, understand the stats. Of that. You brought something up there, the U.S. election. I briefly hit on that as well. Do you think that's a variance potentially and what could occur here carrying forward? Oh, for sure, because, you know, I mean, there's two sides to this thing. If if Biden wins, there very likely will be tighter controls on on trying to put an end to this coronavirus, and maybe he succeeds. You know, maybe that administration can do a better job than the previous one. Uh, the other side of that coin is if Trump wins, uh, on one hand, he'll, you know, probably things will open up and, and you'll be able to have fans and all that stuff, but there may be such a a run on COVID-19 down there that you don't want to do any of those things. And certainly if, if a looser, you know, if the administration that wins is looser on coronavirus, you could probably count Bob on the border from Canada to the U S remaining closed. Whereas if they tighten things up and get a little bit of traction down there, maybe that border opens up and that's a huge, huge factor in whether you can play NHL hockey. So, you know, that's just a that's one of the things, a pretty big thing, but that's one of the elements for sure that's gonna drive this. Yeah, and again I, I you know, I think maybe in a perfect world if we're lucky we're starting playing January first, Mark. Why do we have to play eighty two games, by the way? Well, you want to. You don't have to. They didn't this year and they will you know, I don't think they will next year. It's funny, Bob, we, we started you know, I can vividly remember you and I having a conversation here saying, look, whatever they do, this was in the summer, and we said, whatever they do to get this bubble in and to finish off the 1920 season, the important thing is is they want to get in 82 games next season. I remember when that was the right. prevailing yep. wind in the NHL. Well, here we are. You know, it's late September here, and now we're saying, well, yeah, I don't know, care if you get 82 in this year, but let's try to get 82 in next year. <laughs> so we keep moving the goalposts back. And I don't see how you get 82 in this year. And and I think, Bob, I'll say this. I haven't seen all the numbers on all the TV ratings and and things like that. But I would suggest that playing hockey, uh, playing your playoffs in August and September and October aren't what they want to do again. They did it once. They had to do it. I think they'd rather avoid it. I think they'd take less regular season games and try to get the playoffs done sooner. Mark, let's not forget, NBC has the Olympics in 2021. That's huge. Right, and so work backwards. What's the date on that? July 23rd or something? Yeah, I would have a feeling that the NHL does not want to be running into the third week of July for next season. I think we're going to play, Mark. I think we're going to play because I'm an optimist. Um, But I I, I think we might have to be pragmatic. Maybe we're looking at a – they've done 48-game schedules before. Maybe that's the route they need to go January, February, March, half of April. You know, uh, that's is that enough weeks? Uh, it's 13, 16 weeks. That's three games. Uh, it's three games a week. Yeah, you can you can get that done for sure. Uh, you know, and it, it gets started halfway through April and finish halfway through June. You know, well, you could do that. Listen, and who knows how they'll do it? But you know, and I've already. I mean, I think it's pretty clear. If you ask the players today, go back in the bubble, they'd say, "Forget yeah. it. We just got out of one." But you know, time's going to pass here, and and eventually, we're going to have all these all these questions that we're talking about right now, Bob. We're going to have, you know, we're going to hit a deadline. We're going to have some answers, and we're going to say, okay, how are we going to play forty eight games next year? And if 
it, there's some hardships on the players. Uh, I think they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know, do I want to earn half of my salary? Do I want to make a million dollars? Do I want to make $500,000? Like, let's say you're a million-dollar player and you're playing a half a season and there's escrow and all that. Let's say you're only going to take home 400000 well, what else are you going to do that's going to make you 400000 Bob? I don't know about you. I'm not making 400000 this year. And last I heard, you weren't either. So we can feel sorry for the players, and they have sacrificed a lot, and they're away from their families, and I buy all that stuff. But in the end, if you want to make a six-figure salary, you got to take the cards they deal you and decide if you're going to take home that check or not. All right. Uh, Damian Cox put out a tweet that said, not as difficult to win a cup when there's no road games, no travel. Still a difficult thing to win at all. Tampa Bay gave a lot of sweat and blood to make this happen. Let's not compare bubble hockey to the real thing. Uh, He's only had uh, 2,000 responses to that tweet, uh, and many of them are not very flattering. Hey, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Uh, I'd have to think, Mark, because I respect people's privacy but i also respect people's freedom you know because i'm inherently a libertarian <laughs> that I, I don't know about you but i think what you know i think of what tampa bay accomplished is pretty special and frankly i have tremendous empathy for dallas to have gone as long as they went and to lose in six look i have empathy for the that Oilers team back in 0506 that went seven that nobody in, in the stanley cup final it didn't didn't ultimately win but these were pretty unique situ- uh, circumstances. I don't think you can take anything away from the players for that that went that long. No, I, I don't know why you would. Like, you know, we can we can take apart Damien's tweet and disagree yeah. and agree on flying and on home ice advantage and on going to tough visiting arenas and you know we can dig in on all that if you really want. But what do we? What's the point in? Why are we sending out a a flyer to to take something away from what Tampa's done here? You know. I mean, A, they're the best team in the league. I think they're they, they're ready to be the Stanley Cup champs. There was no better team in this tournament. They were the, the legitimate yeah. winners in every way, shape, and form. And who, what, you know, Damian Cox, what's he nitpicking it for, right? He's got to nitpick it. What are you nitpicking it for? They won the championship. Shut up and let him win it. How about that? Uh- they were the best team, Mark. There's, I mean, let's face it. The, the only team that got to the level, of, I think, that we saw at Edmonton, that got to the level at Tampa Bay played at times, was Colorado before the yep. injuries took effect, right? Like, Colorado had some mo- moments against Arizona, and even when they ramped it up against uh, Dallas, where you're going, man, that's a pretty good team. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's what I was thinking yeah. watching Colorado in stretches. Agree or disagree? Oh, yeah, they were, you know, they did. They they just ran into, I'm not saying they're a perfect team, but they ran into injury problems. And, yeah. and you know, they, Joe Sackick, if he's going to look back at anything, he's going to look back at his trade deadline and his season. And they lost the goalie. Uh, they lost Grubauer for a while during the season. And they should have thought, you know what, if we lose him in the playoffs, we're going to really be in trouble. And they should have done something about it because it's exactly what happened. Grubauer is injury prone. They lost him. The next guy wasn't good enough. They lost him, and the next guy was just never good enough. And in the end, you know, had they had, Bob, had Colorado had an Anton Hudobin the way Dallas had an Anton Hudobin when Ben Bishop went down, Colorado being that Stanley Cup final, I'm here to tell you. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about a tweet that uh, Paul Almeida put out yesterday, uh, an interesting one. When we come back in Oilers Now, it's 1247 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Jet. 12.48 in Edmonton, Bob Stoffer with you, along with Sportsnet spec Mark Spector for the horses in Horse Racing Alberta. Live racing Friday and Sunday nights out at Century Mile. You can watch and wager online at hbibet.com. All right, spec. Uh, you mentioned the Colorado Avalanche, and this is the position that the Avalanche were in. In the offseason, uh, last year, they made the trade. They traded uh, Tyson Berry uh, as well as Kerfoot, and they got Nazem Kadri that gave him a great second-line center. Okay, They also signed Jonas Donskoy. They traded for Burakovsky, and they brought Nachushkin in. So they basically added an entire third line to their team because they had lots of cap space. Um uh, now they got to make some moves here, Mark. They got to get guys like uh, Zadorov and, and Graves signed on defense, and Graves was a huge plus this year. Obviously, Makar has emerged to be a stud. They got one more year of him on an ELC. The point of this is Colorado has lots of space, but they were able to make some moves last year that really provided them depth and allowed them to pay it, play at a pace uh, that was difficult for teams to match. They were a good team. Edmonton, Mark, does not, in theory, right now have a lot of cap space. In theory, uh, we don't know necessarily what's going to happen here. Um, you know, Ken Holland's got uh, got some work to do. Uh, I've already factored in some numbers a year from now, uh, including extensions for Nugent Hopkins. Uh, albeit, I might be looking at it from a little bit of a team-centric position. Uh, an extension for Yamamoto, an extension for Bear, maybe making a tough call on uh, Neil at some point. But Edmonton could theoretically be in position, Mark, where they would be at around $62 million in 21-22 going into that offseason and basically at an entire third line at like okay. $9, $9 million bucks. Uh, So would you, would, you, would you consider, you know, less is more in the offseason this year or do you think you need to change it up a bit this year if you're the Oilers? Well, what you, what you don't want to do is continue the the um, problem of signing. You know, UFAs are. It might be different this year because the cap is low, and there's going to be some good deals out there for sure. There's going to be guys who just want to sign and get a check. It might be a little bit of musical chairs almost. Yeah. But generally speaking, the free agent market is a place where you overpay. Always has been. Always will be. So it's not the way to build your team. It's only the way to augment your team, Bob. Because I think we've yep. all figured that out over the years, man. Pulling in these third line guys and paying them three, four million is a bad idea, you know, until the very end when you're ready to win. So, you know, what you, what needs to happen? Like for instance, I, I'm, let's look at the team we watched last night, Dallas. Their strength was that bottom six, right? Um, and then they got hurt. And then they got hurt. In they fairness, they got hurt. They lost their whole third line, Hints and Como, and. Um, and Fox, that was the big one. The big one was Fox and Hints were huge. I mean, Como's a fourth liner at this stage in his career, but the other two yeah. guys, the other two guys drive pace for them. All right. So, uh, but you know, Dallas found, for instance, Dallas found Kiwi Ranta. He was a free agent out of Finland. You know, the same yeah. way that Edmonton signed Nygaard. You know, and Kiwi yeah. Ranta's a better player. He's a harder player. He's a he's a better, harder playoff performer. Nygaard's a little light for that type of game. So, yeah. you know, you got to find a guy out there in the world like that, like the way they found Haas. You know, Haas has turned into a nice player. got to find a guy like that. you got to sign somebody else's, you know, good role, the way Tampa bit, did, right? They, I'm, he's a depth guy, but he helped them win. You know, yeah. so there's some there's some swift GMing to be done here by Ken Holland. 
Uh, I think you have to make your call in the draft, Bob, what you're looking for, what kind of player you're trying to draft here. And, you know, they've got a, I think we're all pretty clear on the fact that the Oilers have an excellent high-end skill core, and they need to get better in the, you know, in the support players. So that's, that's the job here, man. All right, uh, here we go. Paul Almeida put out at Azercon uh, Global. Put out. He used to do a show on the, the station. You, you, were, uh, you ended up doing a, a a show in around the same time as Oilers now, as I recall, for a year or two. Anyhow, last six Stanley Cup champions: twenty fifteen, Mark the Chicago Blackhawks; sixteen and seventeen, Pittsburgh; twenty eighteen, Washington; twenty nineteen, St. Louis; twenty twenty, Tampa Bay. And then he put a corresponding connection between those teams and the 2003 to 2008 number one overall picks. Pittsburgh had the number one pick in 03 and 05, and they won two cups in 16 17. The Caps had the number one pick in 04. They won the cup in 18. St. Louis, Eric Johnson went number one in 2006. They won in 19. I'd argue that that might be the one scenario because, they ended, as I recall, they got like Shattenkirk and uh, Chris Stewart for Eric Johnson when Johnson went with McClement to uh, Colorado. And then in 20, uh, or sorry, in 20, uh, 2007, Chicago got Kane number one. And in 2008, Tampa Bay got Stamkos number one. So he went 03 to 08. Those teams have all won cups that drafted number one. The Islanders had the number one pick in 09. Of course, you know they took Tavares. And the Oilers had three in a row with Hall, Nugent Hopkins, and Yak, uh, Pov. And then Colorado in uh, 2013. With okay, the, so uh, where, where are we going with it? What he's, say, what he's saying is, is there, you know what, it takes some time to win. Washington took 14 years. St. Louis took 13. Like, these teams hit rock bottom. They end up with the number one overall pick. But... Ultimately, we saw every team between 03 to 08 that won, that had the number one overall pick in the NHL draft. Now, remember, Chicago moved up from fifth to first to get that number one pick in 07. But all those teams that had number one picks from 03 to 08 went on to win the Stanley Cup years later. So uh, it's just a unique little funky stat, but kind of makes you think a little bit. And uh, the Islanders... The Islanders, the uh, Oilers, and the Avalanche had the number one picks between 2009 and 2013. Just food for thought. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. I think there's oh, something to it. The way I read it is, as, as it's obvious when you get the number one pick, it's because you're a lousy team. You're the last team in the league generally right. very close or very close to it. So why are you not a very good team? Because you you lack at all positions. You're not deep. You don't have goal to any. You know what we what we know for sure about hockey is you can have all you can have the number one picks and it doesn't matter until you build around them properly. So sure, you know draft your number one guy overall and that theoretically takes care of a one of your first line players or a top pairing defenseman. Uh, but that's only one guy. It, it takes eighteen, right? And you watch yes. Tampa play, man. It took eighteen, and now they can survive without their number one pick. Here they played a whole playoff without Stamkos. Didn't even need him to win. Because their team's so deep and solid and well-rounded, and they've got goaltending, right? So that you know that, that to me is an excellent example of. By the time you build the right team, you look back on that number one guy, and he's sitting in a press box like Stamkos was, and you can still win, Bob, because you built such a good club around him. Well, they also got the ultimate wake-up call last year when I lost to Columbus and realized, like, here's an example: Columbus beat them last year, and Columbus. Knocked off the Leafs this year, but Tampa Bay, you know, exerted their revenge. And now we're hearing, so Tampa Bay knew, knew they needed to add some grit and some moxie into their bottom six. And conversely, the Columbus Blue Jackets, it's well-known, Mark, are looking for skill. 
they're like, we need more skill. If we're going to take yep. the next, like, we got the grit, we got the character, we need more skill, uh, more skill. Tampa Bay loses in four straight to Columbus last year. They're like, yeah, we need uh, – we need to nut up our team here a bit. And so they go and sign Maroon, you know, give him a, a bottom six forward that will scrap once in a while and has, has yep. won before. Then they make, Cold. then they, you know, they trade away Miller in a deal that the Vancouver Canucks got panned for when we were in Vancouver at the draft a year ago. And Miller has a great year in Vancouver, but they turn around and use the number one they get back from Miller and flip that in a, a trade. I'm trying to think of which, I think that was the Coleman deal. And then the, yep. the, the San Jose. Right, and then they they use their own number one in San Jose to get Goodrell. So it it just it's it's interesting, right? Because you got one team that's saying, "Hey, we got to get more skill." Another team that says, "We got to get more character, grit, and all those sort of things." Shows there's different ways, I guess, Mark. Well, it does, and and you know the question then becomes is, can you trade? You know, they Julian Breezeball was very wise and, and very um, very uh, bold to trade two first round picks. You know, you better win. It's like in 06. The orders, I'll never forget Scott Housen telling uh-huh. the story about when they traded that first-round pick for Dwayne Rollison. He says, I went home that night. I didn't sleep all night long. I thought, oh, my God. We just traded a first-round pick for this guy. He better, This better work. And, it, and it did. And it worked. It worked. The damn near won the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, and Ken Holland will get to that point. Right? He'll get to that point. I don't think he's there yet. Right? I don't think there's I don't see a no. team worthy no. of trading the fourteenth overall to win you know, that that I that the return will tell me I can win a Stanley Cup here. They'll get there, you would think. They're not there yet. And I have no problem with trading it's all a hindsight game. No one's criticizing Breeze Block today for trading those first round picks because he's on a flight home with a Stanley Cup. Uh, if you don't win and you don't have the picks, everyone says, Man, that GM didn't get the job done so you know, that's what we get paid the media for, Bob. Very solid 2020 hindsight. <laughs> uh, Mitch, his Texas show, to say, Bob, the owners need the depth of Tampa, but it's hard to get players like Braden Point and Anthony Sorelli to turn out like they have. Without those picks, I'm not sure Tampa wins. You can't trade your way into those players. And in Edmonton, you don't sign them as UFAs. Well, is that changing a bit? We'll discuss that when we come back. Uh, Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.